Hello and welcome to the Functional Health Podcast with Ben Atkinson. I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Tom O'Brien and Marzi O'Brien to talk about healthy pregnancy. Tom is a functional medicine wizard and has been on the podcast many times before. And Marzi is also trained in nutritional therapy herself. They both recently became parents to their baby boy, Gio, and we talk about their experience through pregnancy, what they did to support their baby and themselves throughout the entire process, the most helpful resources for pregnancy and much much more at the end marzi and tom's stellar story and i was hugely moved by it and i feel that more people need to hear information like this okay let's get into it marzi tom welcome to the show welcome Thank you. <laughs> it is so wonderful to see you both, and you both seem to be thriving over in Costa Rica. Yes, we are. We're, we um, um, are grateful that we've created a lifestyle that um, supports our purpose. And our primary purpose in life right now is to create as, <coughs> excuse me, as um, healing and non-traumatic an environment as possible for our son. Yes. That's absolutely that, wonderful. Uh, when, when you begin to look at the world that infants and toddlers live in with the constant stress, the constant noise pollution, the constant trauma that they're exposed to on a daily basis that we take for granted, it becomes clearer why already this year there's been 128 mass shootings in the United States, as defined by four people or more are killed mm -hmm. at one time. Why is this world going crazy? Uh, uh, and we believe that a significant contribution to that is the brain and neural network of how our children develop. I couldn't agree with you more. Do you think there's part of that is a disconnection away from nature? Because where you are currently, you seem to be surrounded by it. Is there a, was that a conscious decision for you? Yes, yes, it was. Um, and especially before the March, 2020, uh, we had a um, quick decision to make if we go back to Italy and be locked down for God knows how long. We were living in Northern Italy at the right. time. And uh, at, at that particular time, I was in Ireland and Tom was in the US and we just made a quick decision. We're going to Costa Rica. And um, that was a completely conscious decision and then probably one of the best ones yet. Yeah, when we found out that airports were about to close mm -hmm. and that the epicenter of this virus outside of China was in Northern Italy, less than a hundred miles from the village we lived in, we decided we aren't going back mm -hmm. right now until we learn more. And then we kind of looked at each other, you know, on FaceTime on the phone and said, let's go to Costa Rica. <laughs> yeah, we, we had been here for our honeymoon and we really liked it. So we came back. Two weeks later, we were pregnant and Gio was born here. Wonderful story. It really is a wonderful story. And I'm so glad to have you on to talk about healthy pregnancy and kind of from the whole the whole story. So as you were pregnant, Marzi, all the way to birth, how do people look after themselves and the little one during this time? And what do they need to consider? 
first off, your feelings, both of you, how did you feel when you found out Marcy was pregnant? Oh, ecstatic and, and terrified because I think that's normal for a woman. <laughs> I was kind of disappointed because all the movies are like, you know, you see the, the positive pregnancy test that you wanted to see and, and you're supposed to be crying and be so happy. But what hits you is the responsibility and the reality of it. It's like, whoa, it's happening. Also, we had had a loss. We had a loss of pregnancy, not... Um, Yes. We we had a uh, just a month earlier. Uh, uh, in January. February. January and February, we we lost a pregnancy, an early pregnancy, and and uh, we didn't know at the time, but it was a blighted ovum. And what I've learned is that it happens to many, many, many women, and they never know. They think they just miss a cycle, and their next cycle is heavier. Mm -hmm. Well, turned out that they were pregnant, and when the sperm fertilizes the egg, the first division from that one cell to two cells goes down two different pathways. One pathway goes to the mom's womb mm -hmm. to say, okay, we're pregnant here, let's start to build a nest, and the other pathway goes down to develop baby. Well, the pathway to mom's womb continued developing and Marzi's blood tests were positive for pregnancy. First, the urine test was positive then the blood tests were positive and uh, she's getting a little bulge, you know, and, uh, but at one point she went in for, for an ultrasound and there was no heartbeat and there was no baby. Well, there was never a heart. heart yeah, there, exactly. there was never yes. a heartbeat, but that second, cell, that, that first division, one cell goes to mom's womb, the other cell goes to the developing baby, that second cell never developed. Right. But mom thought she was pregnant. Well, we thought we were pregnant. Mm -hmm. The sack is visible on, on the ultrasound. Right. Um, it's just empty sack. It's so weird. And no one talks about this. And it's right. extremely common. When you start to read the science on this, you can't believe how often this occurs where a woman thinks that she missed a cycle mm -hmm. and the next cycle comes and it's much heavier cramping and all it's a miscarriage mm -hmm. well i'm very very sorry to hear that you had to go through that experience um oh thank you thank you as were we it was it was terrifying you know and and really hard uh but when as marzi said when we got pregnant um a month month and a half later um, we were happy, but we were scared at the same time. I imagine from that previous experience, you, you approached that with m much more caution. Honestly, I think I was more relaxed. Mm -hmm. I think the first pregnancy, it's a lot of stress. Yes. Like, because the responsibility, oh my God, I'm carrying a life. It's so huge. It's unbelievable. Um, I don't remember anyone talking about this, this, this heaviness of it. So the first time, I think I was a lot more scared and a lot, a lot more stressed. The second time around, even though it was after the miscarriage, it was easier in a way because I've done it already. Yeah, I had these feelings, you know. Um, obviously, we we were um, not sure. I, I think it's it's a weird time. The beginning of pregnancy, it's weird because there are some symptoms. There is the positive test. And before you go and hear the heartbeat is like, am I really mm -hmm. am I pregnant? Maybe mm -hmm. I'm just not like, maybe I just ate something not. Well, also with, with our previous experience, not mm -hmm. that 
long beforehand, we were concerned, is this going to be another one of those? Yes. So, you know, all those thoughts were going on. So when we went in uh, uh, for an ultrasound and had confirmation, mm-hmm. uh, it was a big sigh of relief. And I think maybe some tears of joy and uh, for me, uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. I think so. But the environment that we chose, um, I think it's perfect. And the team that, uh, that I have chosen for my birth was also perfect. It was easy to find. Um, it was just, um, we are happy with our decision. Mm-hmm. And uh, until today, um, for Gio, it's, it's a perfect environment. Marzi refers to the team. We had two midwives, two doulas, a hypnotherapist, a pelvic floor therapist, a massage therapist that dealt with demons to get rid of any demons. Uh, we were uh, and just as prepared as, and Marzi was drinking uh, the pregnancy teas and taking the pregnancy multiple vitamins. Oh, we also had a nutritional consultant who specializes in pregnancies. She's really marvelous. Her site is growbabyhealth.com. And every woman should use that service of how to have um, a healthy pregnancy. It's, she's just the, the very best. Um, and also the coffee, right? And, and the coffee. That's where we learned about the coffee. You, you were going to have to explain the coffee. Now I'm, you, my ears have perked up. <laughs> uh, uh, our coffee, Marzi's coffee every day during the pregnancy and afterwards has continued is a, a you know, coffee. We use a French press, but however you make it. And then I add um, a level teaspoon of coconut sugar, um, a big, big tablespoon of ghee, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, two pumps of MCT oil, uh, and two raw egg yolks, and a scoop of collagen uh, to her coffee. And you blend it all together with a handheld blender. And it's just delicious. Now, I don't like the egg yolks, so mine doesn't have the egg yolks, but mine is the same in every other aspect. And I add cinnamon in mine. And uh, use a hand blender, so it's basically like a white latte. There's no, yeah. it's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, we use a hand blender that's a kind of powerful one, you know, mm-hmm. and, and uh, uh, it's creamy like a latte and the collagen powder helps a lot for that. Uh, and the, the collagen is comes from brain bean nutrition. It's just the best collagen, purest collagen from their sources, uh, Jolita, out of, I think they're Denmark. They're the highest quality collagen on the planet. Um, and so we have that every day for uh, skin, integument, uh, hair, and connective tissue. That's the collagen formulation that we chose. And I had that every day to our coffee. And the result was Marzi's pregnancy. Um, she was just the most beautiful woman. She, uh, she is the most beautiful woman for me. Uh, but, but during the pregnancy, she had the Buddha belly, which meant if you looked at her from behind, you couldn't tell that she was pregnant. There was no excess weight gain. There was weight gain, but it wasn't excess and it was all in the right places where it's supposed to be. You, she still had her curves from behind, you know, and we live uh, in the jungle of Costa Rica. It's, 
in the high 70s to mid 80s here Fahrenheit all the time. Mm-hmm. And so, and we're completely isolated. So we, we rock around in shorts and uh, tank top um, just all day, every day. And so this beautiful pregnant mama, you know, uh, walking around and just had a great pregnancy and um, in every aspect, it was just a perfect pregnancy doing the hypno birth um, lessons for months beforehand and practicing Marzi's state of being was one of relaxation and calm uh, on a daily basis. And there's very little stress here. And we're going to have to unpick that, I think. I, I first want to talk about nutrition, but the hypno and the stress management is definitely a topic which I'm going to dive into. Um, so I don't want to go there just yet. But in terms of nutrition, so pregnant, Geo's on the way, exciting. Tom, I imagine your head's immediately into the science of the perfect baby, how to deliver the perfect baby. Take me through your thought processes. What did you look at first? And Marzi, what what were your initial thoughts? Our our diet is completely organic, unless we go into town and go to a restaurant and then have the highest quality we can, but it's usually not organic. A couple of restaurants it is, you know, but uh, so I would say 80, 85% 85% of everything we eat is organic. And that's critically important. Just to give you an example, in the Journal of the American Medical Association, they did a study where the editors of the study wrote a comment saying, this is an elegant study with sophisticated biomarkers to prove their point. Now, the editors of the Journal of the American Medical Association do not say that very often. You know, that was quite a a stamp of approval. Mm -hmm. And the article was looking at couples at assisted fertility centers. And um, they ruled out all of the different markers, obesity, exercise, lack of exercise, um, uh, smoking. uh, And they isolated the amount of fruits and vegetables the couple ate and were they organic or conventional? Mm-hmm. They divided them into fourths, the lowest, the next, the third, and the highest fourth. And then they compared the two groups, conventional fruits and vegetables or organic fruits and vegetables in the highest category of consumption. And what they found out just shocked them that Those eating conventional fruits and vegetables, meaning what you buy at the local market, supermarket, they had an 18% less likelihood of getting pregnant, 18%. But if they did get pregnant, they had a 26% less likelihood of a live birth. It's phenomenal. 26%. They lost the pregnancies. And compared to the other group, of similar couples eating fruits and vegetables, but organic. Mm-hmm. And any couple that wants to get pregnant now, one of the prerequisites, you clean up your diet for a minimum of three and preferably six months before you get pregnant get that, to get these toxic chemicals out of your system that are there. Now, this is a crucially important concept. So I'm gonna give you one more study. And Marcy's just leaning back and patiently waiting while I do my thing, right? 
But uh, in Chicago, 346 pregnant women, they collected urine in the eighth month of pregnancy. And they measured the urine for five phthalates. Phthalates are plasticizers, chemicals used to mold plastic. And there are many, but they've just measured five, one of them being BPA, mm -hmm. the one that many people have heard of. And they broke the, they, they broke the results into fourths, the lowest, the next, the third, and the highest fourth. They then followed the offspring of those pregnancies for seven years. And when the children did turn seven years old, they did Wexler IQ tests on them, the official IQ test. And what they found was startling, that the kids whose mothers were in the highest level of phthalates in urine and pregnancy, compared to the children whose mothers were in the lowest fourth of phthalates in urine and pregnancy, the kids in the highest fourth, their IQ was seven points lower. 6.7 to 7.4 points lower. Now that doesn't mean anything to anyone until you understand that a one point difference in IQ is noticeable. A seven point difference in IQ is a difference between a child working really hard, getting straight A's and a child working really hard, getting straight C's. That that child doesn't have a chance in hell of ever excelling with brain performance because mom was high in phthalates during pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Now just go to Google and type in phthalates, P-H-T-H-A-L-A-T-E-S, phthalates and neurogenesis, nerve growth. Here come the studies. So those moms who were the highest in phthalate levels, their babies' brains did not develop to the level of the baby's brains of the moms in the lowest level of phthalates. Right, yes. That's why you have to eat organic when you wanna bring a baby into this world because that's just one study of so many studies like mm. this. You know, and it gets overwhelming if you do study after study after study for people, they just kind of tune out because <laughs> it's, it's, it's overwhelming. I've, I've just given you two. Just those two studies about why organics are important. It's a prerequisite if you want a healthy baby. I mean, one thing which I think people struggle with is A, where do these phthalates come from? And we actually did a podcast about this. So I will link to it in the show notes. Um, but also the first study actually nicely links in with the second study in the sense that we know that cruciferous vegetables, for example, help with phase two liver detoxification and a number of other processes which can help the, the detoxification of these phthalates and other chemicals as well. Um, so I think it's like a, a double whammy, if you will. You are reducing the toxic burden from the environment and the food, but you're also increasing your ability to detox because of the nutrients and phytonutrients that you're consuming. That's exactly right. Uh, but if you're eating uh, conventional broccoli that's loaded with uh, glyphosate on it, mm. uh, and then you're hoping, you know, the, you know, the, the balance, the seesaw, I mean, is it worse? I've got glyphosate that's killing off my microbiome and creating a dysbiotic microbiome that creates leaky gut, intestinal permeability and systemic inflammation. Is that worse than the cruciferous quality of the flavonoids in the broccoli that's going to help me detox other chemicals in my body? You know, so uh, of course, you always want to go for the 
most supportive foods to enhance detoxification, but you want non-toxic supportive foods to enhance detoxification. Of course, that makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. I think one thing that we struggle with, particularly in the UK, which is where, where I'm calling from, is um, organic food is often wrapped in plastics anyway. So unless you go to a farmer's market, it's incredibly difficult actually to eat organic without it being contaminated in the first place. I don't know whether you have a workaround. <laughs> well, there is a workaround for that. Um, there are veggie washes uh, that uh, uh, are highly effective at washing off the residue that's on the surface of the vegetables, like the little bit, the BPA from the plastic that gets on the surface of your cauliflower. That washes off pretty easily. Um, it's the chemicals that are inside the vegetable or the fruit that you can't wash off. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, if your source of organic is wrapped in plastic, okay, then just dip it in some veggie wash and it'll help reduce that amount of plasticizers dramatically. In which case I've made a note to look up veggie wash and link to it in the show notes for listeners. Um, and the fact that I need to get some as well is probably. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> when we talk about diet, I mean, you both, it's your background. Marzi, nutritional therapist background. Tom, I can't, many, I can't remember how many qualifications you actually have now, but it's coming out of your ears. Um, so it must come quite naturally to you. And you were probably eating a, a, an organic, very good diet prior to birth anyway, as your base state. Should people change? Did you change anything up? Tom, you mentioned egg yolks and fats within the coffee. Was there any reason to increase those fatty acids? And what did you focus on in particular? Um, so something that I had to change and I didn't know about is the protein intake. I didn't eat enough protein because um, pregnancy requires to eat up to 100 grams a day, which is very difficult. Um, and this continues throughout breastfeeding. So, um, but once you get into the habits, it's fine. So the coffee helped with the protein as well, mm -hmm. because collagen itself was 20 grams and then the egg, the egg yolks was maybe 16 grams. So I had 30 grams in with my coffee and I was like, okay, I'm on the right track. Um, but by the way, that's the value of growbabyhealth.com yes. right. is that you learn the science of how to have a healthy pregnancy. Right. And then, um, maybe a little extra magnesium for mm -hmm. obviously the whole body stretching the muscles and skin and so on. Uh, collagen was great for the skin, um, water intake a lot more than, than uh, average person needs to, especially living in such a hot, mm. hot um, climate. Of course. What else did I have to ex take extra? The, the collagen. I 4,000 milligrams of vitamin C in Marzi's first glass of water every morning. That's right. 4,000 is significant. Why so high? Well, um, uh, Linus Pauling is the only man um, that has ever won the Nobel Prize twice. Mm -hmm. Very famous nutritional scientist um, in the 1960s and 70s. And I saw an interview with him when he was in his mid-80s, where and he just as sharp as could be. Uh, with his brain, and he was looking at the camera with had this little smirk on his face. He said, 
yes, yes, my wife and I take 18,000 milligrams of vitamin C every day. And when we get old, we'll take more. And he was 84 at the time. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm willing to concede that he knows more than I do. (laughs) And I always feel better. You know, I just feel better when I'm taking four to 10,000 milligrams of vitamin C a day. And I've read the studies that say you only can absorb 500 milligrams a day. And Mm -hmm. that, uh, that comes from animal studies. And, you know, maybe it's true, but I don't know. I feel okay with it. And I've done this for years. And so I'm going to continue doing it because if I can be like Linus Pauling, when I'm in my mid to late eighties, I'm going to be a happy guy. You, um, there's so much I could go into here. I'll try not to focus on this too much. Um, so you said 4,000 milligrams, but you said four to 10. That's also a significant jump. Is that circumstantial? So if you're having a particularly stressful day, you will increase it. And Marzi is, was the same at this time or what was it? Yes, that, that, that's correct. You know, and some days, you know, if I'm feeling like, you know, I just need a little boost today or, uh, uh, you know, I, I feel like, oh, I've got a little congestion. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take some more vitamin C and okay. then I'll take more. So our daily dose is 4,000, one scoop. Uh, the product we use is called Vitality C because it has ribose in it. And ribose is critical to the formation of ATP, mm-hmm. the primary energy in the mitochondria of every cell of your body. So we're getting dosed with vitamins C and ribose. Uh, so you know, sometimes, not often, maybe once every two weeks, I'll take a second scoop or a little bit more than that, a heaping scoop. But usually it's one scoop a day for both of us. Fascinating. And the GI effects, you don't experience any gastrointestinal? None, none at all. You know, and it may be, and I've often told patients this, you have to titrate up, you know, just start with like a quarter of a scoop a day for um, three days. And if that's okay, then go to a half a scoop. Because if you're going to have a reaction to something, usually it will happen within three days. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just, just titrate up a little bit at a time. It may take a while for your body to acclimate. That's okay. You're getting a good dose. You know, just stay below bowel tolerance levels. That's actually, it's called the Pauling protocol that when someone is sick, I give them the Pauling protocol. And that is, um, you take 500 to 1,000 milligrams every waking hour. And when you get a little bit of loose bowels or diarrhea, you stop, but you count how many doses did I have today? And let's say you had 12 doses uh, that day. And so then you take one day off after that to get rid of the loose bowels. And then the next, the day after that, you take 75% of that. So if it was 12, Now you're going to take nine doses spaced out throughout the day, and you'll do that every day until you get loose bowels. And when you get loose bowels, you just stop for a day. And then the next day, you take 75% of that. So that'll be about six. And then you six doses throughout the day. And eventually, you find the dose where you don't get loose bowels. Mm -hmm. And so now you've saturated your tissue with vitamin C, and then you'll learn what it takes to keep you there. Fascinating. I will link to some resources in the show notes and the polling protocol. There's also um, Robert Cathcart um, and a few other vitamin C researchers and clinicians, I think, um, which would be useful. 
fascinating. I'm going to leave that there because I could talk, I could do a whole podcast on vitamin C dosing. So we're going to leave that alone for now. Marzi, you mentioned uh, collagen. Collagen is a really interesting supplement. There's also many different types. I'd be interested to know what type you actually used in terms of type one, three, five, etc., and why. So the one I chosen was organic and it was garden of life, I suppose. And I chosen this one because it was flavorless, which in pregnancy is very um, important mm-hmm. because some flavors, they might just make you oh, yucky. And then it was 20 grams of protein in a scoop. So for me, it was awesome because I didn't even know I have it. And what was the source? Do you know if it was bovine or sternum? Bovine. Or yes. bovine. yes. Bovine. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wasn't familiar. So... I think there's different types for different reasons. A lot of people use type two for the cartilage of your joints and type one and three is normally from bovine, um, which is why I asked. I, was, I wasn't sure. Congrats. That was my, <laughs> my choice of not being really um, oriented in types. <laughs> Most important was that it was something pleasant that a pregnant woman could take. Yes. And that it's animal-based and that it's organic, basically. Yes. Yeah. And, and safe. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And that's one thing which people don't recognize that you need to get a high quality supplement because it's so easy to be contaminated with heavy metals and things of that nature, which a lot of people aren't aware aware of. And even though Amazon can be great in terms of speed of delivery from things, there are brands on there which don't have their own website and aren't third party tested, which is just oh. something for, that people need to be aware of, I think. Mm, that's a great insight. People know already, well, should know from their doctors about folic acid intake and omega-3 and the prevention of neural tube defects got there eventually and omega-3s for healthy brain development. Is there anything that you focused on in particular in terms of specific nutrients? You've mentioned magnesium. Is there anything else? Well, definitely the fish oils. I was taking different types of fish oils. Um, We asked... uh we asked Grow Baby Health about that and okay. they, they recommended multiples to us also. Right. They have like a nice package, which is a, a, a pouch, mm-hmm. a daily pouch with, which consists of uh, fish oils as well. But I was taking extras. Right. So the, the daily packet from Grow Baby Health has methylated folate and B12 and a number of critical substances for pregnant mom. Mm-hmm. And then we, we supplemented that for Marzi with extra fish oil right. and collagen and the ghee. And I don't think there was anything else. I don't vitamin remember D. anything else. Vitamin D, right. I'd, I'd give her a 50,000 um, IU of vitamin D once a week or once every two weeks. Once a week. So that's significant, I guess, what you're looking at, 7,000 IU a day average. Okay, why why that particular dose? It, it, does the need go up in pregnancy? Um, well, I think the need for all supplements go up a little bit in pregnancy, you know, because mom's doing the work of two. Um, but in the world of vitamin D, uh, we had done some testing for Marzi pre-pregnancy over the years, and um, her vitamin D levels thrived. The goal is to be between 50 and 75 nanograms per milliliter. And in England, they use a different measuring system, but it converts easily enough. You can find out what the numbers are. And the goal is to be between 50 and 75 uh, nanograms per milliliter, uh, which reduces your risk of developing chronic inflammatory diseases dramatically. 
and specifically autoimmune diseases. Uh, so we, uh, 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 we found out over the course of a few years together that, you know, if Marcy takes 50,000 units once every couple of weeks, um, she's great. You know, her blood value stays where it needs to be. And so in the pregnancy, it was about once a week, whenever I remembered, I'd give it to her. <laughs> and I would still take my five to 7,000 a day. Right. Yes. Oh, so on top of, okay. Interesting. And you were testing throughout, I get, the, I guess this is one thing which people find interesting when we take supplements, whether people test to know whether they, they actually need them or not, but I'm guessing you were testing throughout this process. Right. The rule is, the rule is test, don't guess, especially with vitamin D. I consider vitamin D the most important biomarker to monitor on a lifetime basis, mm -hmm. much more important than total cholesterol. And I'm not saying don't do total cholesterol, but vitamin D levels are much more important. Many, many systems of the body will begin to uh, function sluggishly if you have borderline levels of vitamin D. And so what does it mean to function sluggishly? Well, how many of you get foggy brains, get brain fog, right? Or how many of you just get tired? every once in a while, I'm just tired, you know, I didn't work out hard or anything, but I'm just tired or, I mean, any system of your body, there are only two substances that I'm aware of for which there are receptors on every cell of your body. One is thyroid hormone because thyroid is the thermostat on the wall that keeps the temperature in the house correct where you want it. And in your cell, thyroid hormone controls your metabolism the temperature of the cell. And the other is vitamin D. Every cell of your body needs vitamin D. So why would you ever be comfortable with adequate amounts? I would much rather be robust mm -hmm. with the nutrient that every cell of my body needs. Yeah, that's fascinating. I didn't know that either. Or thyroid hormone for that matter. So those are two things which I have certainly learned. I can't recommend enough. Just people need to get the vitamin D levels checked. For me, I need to have 4,000 IU just to maintain my levels a day. Um, yes. And if I, if I need to increase it, I go up to 10,000 in order to increase it. And that's just what I do. But other people are different. Some people increase their vitamin D levels with only 3,000 IU. So I think everyone's different. I'm not exactly sure why, but there you go. Whether it's absorption, utilization, or whatever, or conversion. With omega-3... I have read a lot of papers, and this would have been last year, looking at different dosing of EPA and DHA specifically. So this is an animal formed, or you can get some algae now, which have both DHA and EPA. Um, what are your specific recommendations or what did you use and why? Well, once again, tests don't guess. And there's a very simple finger prick test called the omega-3 red blood cell index. It's inexpensive. You just poke your finger, put a drop of blood on a card, send it off to the lab, and you find out you have adequate amounts of omega-3s, omega-6s, omega-9s, mm -hmm. and then you know. Uh, so it depends on the individual, but the baseline recommendation is at least three grams a day. Perfectly safe, doesn't matter what degenerative disease you have. The studies are clear that up to 3,000 milligrams a day um, is safe. And so we start there with people, and then we'll do an omega-3 red blood cell index on them. 
And is that 3,000 milligrams of combined EPA and DHA? That is correct. Okay, that's really good to know. And any ratios that you follow? Because I think normally in fish, I think it's around a two, two to one, or maybe it's three to two ratio of EPA, DHA. It depends on what our goal is. You know, for someone that's concerned about brain function, we'll, we'll recommend products that are higher in DHA. Uh, and if it's more a systemic uh, anti-inflammatory and many other benefits to fish oil approach, then we'll do the standard uh, uh, products that are higher in uh, EPA. Right. EPA is more anti-inflammatory. DHA is more focused on brain cell raw materials. And that's a categorization. There's much more than that, but that's in general how we look at omega-3s. That makes a lot of sense. And 3,000 milligrams is actually quite a high dose if you look at supplementation, but if there's benefit to that, then obviously people should take it, right? And that test, don't guess, I resonate with that so much. I think a lot of people take supplements without actually realizing or knowing why they are taking them and if they actually need them. So when they buy an expensive supplement and it doesn't work, well, maybe you just didn't need that particular supplement or if there's a bottleneck or a dysfunction. Yeah, you need uh, A, someone to understand what is not working or what is working, and B, need someone to test you and interpret those results. You know, if, if um, um, I have a passion and someday it'll be a hobby, I'm, I'm going to get a 1957 Cadillac Baritz convertible. They only made 1,200 of them. And it's the most beautiful car, in my opinion, in the world. And I hope someday that I can get one. Uh, but that might be a hint, I'm, going, <laughs> uh, I'm When I get one, it's going to be from someone who has known that car and has the history of the car and takes care of every aspect of that car. So I know it's really a safe, solid car and nothing's going to break down. The same thing is true in your body. Uh, so many people think, well, you know, if I take fish oils and I don't feel better in a week, I'm not going to take them anymore. As well as if I put good brake fluid in my Cadillac and uh, um, I, the car still spitters and sputters, you know, I'm not going to put more brake fluid in the car. I mean, it's just nonsense, mm -hmm. you know, that we have this single mode concept. If I take this, I want to feel like that. And it's not the way the body works. You know, you need to be, um, if there's one thing you can do, as an emphasis, it's live an anti-inflammatory lifestyle. Uh, and that means that's all encompassing. But in terms of supplements, it's individual for everyone. It's always going to be individual. And there's some basics that you can do, like a scoop of Vitality C every day, 3,000 milligrams of omega-3s a day. Those are just basic premises that are safe and effective. Uh, but targeted nutrition requires the concept of test. Don't guess. Mm -hmm. You have to test. Absolutely. And this brings me on nicely to omega-6s and what to avoid. I think when we talk about omega-3s, people are always looking at the omega-3 to omega-6 ratio. And I'm wondering what your opinion is on avoiding not just seed oils, 
but also nuts and things of that nature, which even though they're a whole food, they are naturally high in these potentially inflammatory omega-6 oils. Foods that are found in nature, you know, uh, nuts are found in nature. Nut oils are not. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, olives are found in nature. Olive oils are not. But we'll use a little olive oil. The Marzi puts it on her salad every day on, on our table. She's got a little spray for a balsamic vinaigrette that she likes and a little bottle of um, uh, extra virgin cold-pressed olive oil. And she pours a little oil on her salad and puts a little spray of balsamic vinegar on it. Uh, but in terms of oils, uh, we don't emphasize avoiding them or um, taking excess amounts, but we just make sure the only oils in the house are coconut, olive, and ghee. And ghee. That's, it. That's it. We just don't have any others around. Mm -hmm. I mean, tons of butter. Our son will take a stick of butter and walk around eating it. <laughs> In the supermarket. In the supermarket. <laughs> right? It keeps them busy while we're shopping. Right? <laughs> so we buy a box with four sticks in it, and then we give him one of them, and you know, he's just walking around and chewing. And everybody's looking at him like, oh my God. And you know, they're they're looking at us like, what are you doing to this boy? He's gonna be obese. And well, does he look obese to you? Right? He's like candy. It's, it's yeah, water. It's, it's candy to him. Yeah, I mean, is a lot of the fats in butter and the same components as that of breast milk, right? You've got some yes, of the short chain exactly. fatty acids and things of that nature, high in butyrate. Um, so people don't realize that, I think. Like it's actually naturally you give that to a child when they are born um, and even just extending that a little bit more, I think it will naturally have benefits. Butter is not bad for you. Bad butter is bad for you. Right. Right, bad butter. bad butter is if you burn it. But aside from that, it's not <laughs> bad for you. Or with bad salt. Yeah, yeah. Uh, casein. Uh, there's a little bit of casein in butter, and some people have a casein sensitivity. And the way you know if you can have butter or not is you do a blood test looking for antibodies to casein and casomorphins. And if you've got elevated antibodies, your immune system's fighting casein, you can't eat casein. Mm -hmm. So then you focus on ghee because ghee is casein-free butter. Basically, it's clarified butter. That's what ghee is. Uh, and the only time you can't have ghee is if you have elevated antibodies to the milk buterophilins because the buterophilins are the protein in the cell structure of the fat molecules. And so if you have elevated antibodies and butyrophilins, you can't have ghee either. But aside from that, ghee is an excellent food for people. And for frying, for high, high temperature frying. Mm. Yeah. It's very, it's so tasty. And it's delicious, yes. <laughs> you, you have to eat healthy food, but you also have to enjoy it as well, right? Quick pause, we're thrilled to say that our sponsor for this podcast today is Human People. Human People is a personalized health platform set up by functionally trained doctors and nutritionists right here in the UK, and they're on a mission to give you a healthier, longer, and more productive life. When we start to feel a bit tired, get aches, pains, or brain fog, it can be a challenge to work out the root cause of that problem and how we can solve it. 
Well, human people are offering a solution. They empower you to better understand your health issues and use AI technology to provide clear, actionable steps to help you meet your goals. Choose between blood, DNA, and gut tests to look for common nutritional deficiencies and important gene SNPs and get your personalized recommendations reviewed by a doctor and all for less than a price of your daily coffee. The quality of their supplements is excellent and their recyclable packs means no more plastic bottles filling up your cupboard. Better for you, better for the planet. Head over to humanpeople.co slash functional health and use code functional health or one word at checkout to get 10% off any of their tests. And if you purchase any of their bundles, you'll get six months of a high quality omega-3 supplement absolutely free. Feel better, live healthier, and start your journey today at humanpeople.co slash functional health. Back to the show. I've heard so many stories of women when they're pregnant wanting very unusual things that they would never normally eat, but as well as sweet foods and very decadent foods. And I'm wondering if you had any and how you managed that. So my first craving, which, which was something that I have never had in my life, and that was before I knew I'm pregnant, was gin and tonic. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> we just sat outside and I was like, oh, I had a gin, gin and tonic now. And Tom was like, have you ever had a gin and tonic? I'm like, no, but I want one now. <laughs> and, and then I, you said... And I joked, I was like, maybe I'm pregnant, ha, ha, ha. But, you know, it was just, it was just uh, maybe a month after the miscarriage. So I didn't, you know, for sure not. So Tom just ran to the store, brought gin and tonic, and we just said, drinks you know <laughs> maybe two weeks after a week after we went to buy the pregnancy test i made her gin and tonic every day <laughs> for a week for a week for a week and and then we did the pregnancy test and found out she was pregnant <laughs> but then yeah, then i just switched to tonic and then um tom did some studies and tonic really helps to get zinc into your body so that was very interesting yeah um, let's stay there for a moment because this is this is the time when COVID was starting to come out mm-hmm. and people really scared, not knowing what to do. And I started talking about it. I started coffees with Dr. Tom in March of 2020. And every day we did a, about an hour on a different topic. And the way these viruses work is that they grab onto a receptor site and they get inside your cell. And when they get inside your cell, they shed. Uh, it's like dandruff. Uh, viruses don't reproduce, they shed. But they can't shed very well, if at all, if you have adequate zinc inside your cells. So if the cells have adequate zinc, viruses can't shed very well at all. So mm-hmm. they're kind of, they're stopped in their tracks. Mm-hmm. So that is where the, the Brits, when they were colonizing India in the 1800s, how did they prevent the Brits from getting malaria? Uh, it was by quinine. drinking um, this quinine from the fever tree in India. And the quinine is a zinc ionosphore. And what that means is that it escorts zinc inside the cell because zinc in your bloodstream is useless mm-hmm. to, to support the immune system it's got to get inside the cell. And to get inside the cell, it needs an escort. Most common one is zinc, next is quercetin, which is a very good zinc ionosphore. Uh, And so they were 
they got this quinine that they, they were given every day, but it, in a little bit of water, but it was so bitter tasting, they uh, put a, a teaspoon of sugar in it. Uh, so it wasn't so bitter tasting. That's where the song came from. Just a little bit of sugar helps the medicine go down. That's where it came from. And the British soldiers got permission to add a little bit of gin to this quinine water sugar tonic that they made. Thus was born the gin and tonic. That's where it came from. <laughs> so I started talking about that, about tonic water. And true tonic water, has it's high in quinine, mm -hmm. which comes from the fever tree. Now there's commercial tonic waters that have none, it's all chemical based, but there's a company called Fever Tree that has five different types of tonic water. And they add a lot of sugar to it. So you don't want to drink that stuff very often. But they have one that has half the sugar. It's called India Light. Right. So there's an India, but there's another one called India Light. So we started buying cases of India Light. And every day we'd have, Mars and I would split a little bottle of tonic water with some limes in it and dilute it to a full glass of water with a little bit of the tonic in it with lime and we had that every day and mm. this that's what i'm drinking here right now is still my <laughs> my tonic i usually have one a day because it's a zinc ionospore so and so that reinforced for us to take it during the pregnancy and marzi did that's that sends tom to a re research because we were wondering why my body craved tonic mm. right well, what's in tonic that's, right. that's really but it's true, we didn't know it's very high in sugar. So I think the one I was drinking, uh, it was 30 grams of sugar. Oh, it was a huge amount of sugar. And, oh, and I said, we can't do this. And, we get, and then I found there was one that has less so than the, half. This one is like more, it's like three, three grams of sugar. I, I think it's, it's really three, three or five grams, yes. yeah. Excellent. I will also link to that in the show notes. Um, I'm yeah. partial to a gin and tonic too. So Amphibia Tree oh, yeah. is a brand that I also prefer. So there you go. Oh, cool. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> Um, so other cravings, I would say, um, what, what what else was I craving? I was craving Cinnabons. <laughs> right. And Cinnabons you've had before, I'm guessing, or is this another? Oh, and I hate Cinnabon. <laughs> she hates Cinnabon. <laughs> but you were craving oh, yeah. it now. Did, did you try any cinnamon and enjoy it out of interest? Uh, before only in applesauce, you know, or yes. in apple pie a little bit, but that's it. That's where I drew the line. The rest is like no yucky. Um, so Cinnabon, it was my my uh, my guilty pleasure, and to keep the balance, I would work out hard. Mm. And then the workout, I would have a gluten-free Cinnabon. Right, we found a bakery for gluten-free Cinnabons. So good, and a glass of cashew milk, and that was my reward. So keeping balance is very important, not to go crazy, you know. Absolutely. The body needs cinnabons. That means that there are some nutrients in cinnabons that the body needs. Okay, <laughs> that's <laughs> a good rationale. <laughs> but I think that's um, great what you said. Like you balanced it out with the exercise yeah. as well, um, which is hugely important. We know that gestational diabetes can be a real problem for some women, but obviously, if you're going to spike blood sugar in that way and you can burn yes. it off and lower that insulin secretion, that's a beautiful way to do it. So you can still enjoy the the craving that you've had but not have any of the detriment um which is very good or minimize the detriment i should say mentally it's like even it's like it didn't it never happens <laughs> <laughs> by, and by it's good way, for your that's, soul that's, 
That's one of the prerequisite tests um, in my checklist that I'm putting together before getting pregnant is a HOMA score, H-O-M-A. A HOMA score is just getting your fasting insulin and fasting glucose level. And then there's a formula you plug it into and it measures insulin sensitivity or insulin resistance. Meaning is your body using insulin very well? If it's not, your body has to make more insulin and that leads to type two diabetes and all kinds of complications in pregnancy. So if a woman's HOMA score is out of balance, meaning she's got insulin resistance, mm -hmm. the body is resisting insulin, she needs to clean that up first before she gets pregnant. And that usually takes three to six months of changing your diet, lifestyle, and maybe taking some supplements. Depends on the individual. Doesn't take too long, but you need to clean that up first or you're at higher risk of having complications in the pregnancy. Yes, that makes perfect sense. I think, unfortunately, a lot more people now are suffering with hormonal derangement for a lot of different issues, including PCOS and things like that, where insulin uh, resistance is an underlying complication, let's say, in a lot of these uh, conditions, which is just exacerbates the issue of these women do get pregnant. In terms of managing that, though, when people are pregnant, would it just purely be through, obviously, working with your doctor if you need insulin, get on insulin, but a low carbohydrate paradigm or modality, is that what you'd suggest? Well, you know, that's really a challenge because the woman has to be comfortable and not worried during her pregnancy. So if she's worrying about every little thing she eats, I mean, it's going to cause so much stress for her mm. that um, uh, you really have to, it's, it's a balancing act. Uh, that's why uh, complications are reduced dramatically. They did over 5,000 pregnancies before they published the paper on the paradigm that's set at growbabyhealth.com. Uh, Emily, who runs that, her mother and father were obstetricians. So they delivered over 5,000 babies. Mm -hmm. So every day of her life, there was a new baby being born that mom or dad had to go help out with, right? And so the result is that they've got it down now and they published on this, the dramatic reduction in complications of pregnancy with these simple things that you do. Just do these basic simple things and the severe complications are reduced dramatically. Mm -hmm. And it's also great to have a coach because me as a nutritional therapist, um, I was just, I didn't know what I need and how do I get it? You know, it's, it's so funny. It's almost like when Tom gets sick and, and I'm like, are you taking this? No, are you taking this? No, you know, it's like, we don't think about ourselves when we need to, when we are, we are in this situation. So Emily basically broke it down to me and make it easy for me. So I didn't have to worry about it. Because yeah. I think in pregnancy, it's very important to eat um, often um, not to allow the sugar crush mm -hmm. and eat a lot of protein. So, um, yeah, but so she, thanks for mentioning she, that she because was a she great was guy. basically my coach in how to maintain, um, my diet with, uh, adequate nutrition. Right. That's perfect. And it, I think it, um, <clears throat> says a lot about managing stress as well. If you're not stressed about those kinds of things and then right. cortisol, which I think stress when you're pregnant, I mean, this is 
just my observation. I've never experienced pregnancy. My partner's never got pregnant yet, although that will probably be on the cards in the future. Um, it's a stressful time. Normally, people are dealing with some form of, not complication, I want to say, we can call it a complication. So whether it be nausea or pain or fatigue, they're quite common, I think, for most people. Um, and that's an added stress as well. And I was going to actually talk about stress management now, but maybe those three things we could touch upon. Did you experience anything, any other symptom like nausea, like fatigue or any pain which you had to manage yourself? And if you didn't, why don't you think you did? <laughs> no, I, I did have some nausea. I think up to the third month, um, I had some nausea and fatigue. Yes, I would have problems. said that you had no nausea because it, you handled it so well. I don't recall that right. it was ever immobilizing or. No, no, no. It was just a little bit. It wasn't. Mm. And I also have a theory. I'm not sure is that true, but I think the less toxic you are, the less nausea you will have. I agree. So women who are um, throwing up like crazy. My friend, she was throwing up up to Labor Day, basically, when mm -hmm. she had the baby. That was the last day she stopped. Um, I think it, it was the level of toxicity. Body's trying to get rid of something and it can't, and it's just um, right. But that's just my theory, so I'm not sure if, if that's the case. But detox is definitely very, very important. And I was talking to my friends and um, those who took the six months before and did uh, a proper detox did not experience those uh, symptoms that much, if if any. Right. Um, so uh, I think a little bit of fatigue, but um, uh, I didn't have stress about working. I didn't have to work with much. I was basically um, handing over my position to another person. Thankfully, we found someone really amazing to do that. And I could just relax and read books and meditate and uh, learn about hypnobirth and it was the santan on the at the pool so um, i'm i'm really grateful that, that i was so fortunate to have such conditions during my pregnancy mm -hmm. and right. the, the idea of having a, a less toxic burden and that affecting nausea i think uh well it, it makes sense to me i would... by the way you you never detox when you're pregnant yeah. right never uh, but what you can do is eat the foods that help support detoxification, as you mentioned earlier, like cruciferous vegetables and dandelion greens. And But you don't take supplements to enhance detoxification. Let's go into why, because some people will be listening and not know the reason for that. Why? Why? <laughs> because a pregnancy is a foreign substance in your body. And your immune system has to be shut down so it doesn't attack the fetus. Um, it's a foreigner. It's not supposed to be there. And there's this elaborate immune compensation that occurs to allow the pregnancy, the, the fetus to stay and develop. I mean, it's a beautiful system we have. But when you start encouraging your immune system, get rid of these chemicals, get rid of this toxic stuff, you run the risk of um, having an overflow into um, uh, attacking the fetus itself. So you never do detox principles or products mm -hmm. during pregnancy. Perfectly safe to eat foods that help to support the natural detoxification pathways, perfectly safe to do that. 
Thank you, Tom. And I think that moves quite nicely onto stress. You mentioned hypnobirthing before, Marzi. Um, mm -hmm. And I think if people don't need to worry about detoxing whilst they're pregnant and just worry about the food, I think there's one less stress to worry about. So oh, that's, uh, yeah. <laughs> With the hypnobirthing, I know um, a, a friend of mine who did it and swore by it, said it was absolutely a game changer. Um, I'd love to know your experience. I think, yeah, I definitely agree. If, I, if I'll be um, fortunate enough to have had a baby, definitely will go for hypnobirth. Um, it's, it's, it, it sounds like it's a lot, but if I would put it down to one thing, it's just to you focus on your breathing. Because people talk about the music, about the voice, about the, the tape, about the visualization. No, not so much. <laughs> if you just focus on your breath and, and are able to focus on that and remember that um, after every contraction, you really get a break, you're fine, you know? It's yeah, and our, um, our um, two doulas and two midwives who were at our birth were startled at how Marzi was doing and they said uh you know it's going to be a while yet because she's so relaxed and and but let's just check oh my god she's at 10 centimeters this baby's coming now we've never seen this before because she was so successful in the uh breathing just calming her body down and understanding the waves mm -hmm. of what was happening and breathing with that that um uh, they were completely startled by it. But that's imp important what you said, understanding the waves. So I educated myself before about the whole process of birth because there are different waves and, and they take different uh, amount of pressure and they, they take different amount of time. So if uh, I, me with this knowledge, I was a lot more relaxed because I knew what's coming next. Yes, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really so valid. My women, I know, I know one, uh, I'm sorry, uh, a friend of mine, she didn't want to know anything. She just went to, she's like, women are living every day. I, you know, I was just like, I would just go with the flow. I wouldn't be able to do that. I had to know. I have to know before. I have to be prepared. <laughs> so <laughs> that was super helpful. I read uh, a number of books and that was really um, beneficial for the whole uh, birth experience. Amazing. Is there any ones that you'd particularly recommend? That resonated with you the most? It would definitely be, be the hypnobirthing. Is that the name of the book, the title? Hypnobirth or hypnobirthing. Oh, I'll look. That'd be great. This one book would cover everything. It would cover um, the whole process, um, possible um, complications, and, and it's just amazing. Yeah. That's great. I think resources like that are so valuable, and if I can link to them and help someone, I think that'd be great. Thank you very Good. much for that. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to look for the book. I can also, I have it on my phone. Yeah. Was there, because you mentioned meditation as well. So hypnobirthing is whilst you were giving birth, but were you trying to lower your stress as well throughout the whole time of your pregnancy? Oh, yes. Um, I'm a big fan of Joe Dispenza work. Yes. So Brilliant. I would do I would do at least two meditations a day, the morning and the evening one. And if I wanted or if I had the time during the day, I would just do some more mm -hmm. because I, I believe it proved in my life that it works. Um, and I would just, um, yeah, it, it, it's a different type of meditation. It's almost like a, a meditation hack because it contains of so many different great, um, how to say it, 
ways to slow down your brain waves and also visualize and his voice, which you don't have to like um, create something out of nothing. He tells you what to do and when, and it's just, it's 20 minutes. You know what I mean? It's like not sitting there and waiting and then, yeah. <laughs> I've gone in and out of using meditation and the best way to for me to use it every single day is just make it part of my routine. Something that right. I do when I get up. I come into the kitchen, I sit down for 10 minutes. I don't do 20, I do 10. Um, but it's 10 minutes and it's a daily practice of mine. And I find it it's invaluable to me now. And I'm much more resilient to the stresses that I experience that day and the things that come my way. I believe this would be very valuable to someone who's pregnant because it can be a stressful time anyway. Hormones are a little bit everywhere these times. And I'm mm -hmm. not sure... I don't know a paper on this, but my friends would say, and the stress resilience might be slightly lower during pregnancy than normal. I don't know what your experience would be, but considering you're meditating twice a day, maybe that was not a concern for you. But what I also want to highlight as um, equally important to detox is emotional detox and, and getting ready mm -hmm. to have a baby. So this is where I'm going to use the S word. It's basically dealing with your shit before the baby comes. Because we can just um, drag so many conditioning into our, our, our um, motherhood mm -hmm. and also the pregnancy process and the labor that um, to spend, well, I spent, I spent four years of working on myself, getting ready emotionally to have a baby. So it takes a long time. And detoxing. And detoxing, obviously, but I'm saying it's like uh, it's equally important. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, because we can we can sabotage the whole process. We can we can just uh, unconsciously make it harder than it's supposed to be, or just have a really bad experience. I think mm -hmm. um, that's what I was trying to avoid. I had to work on uh, uh, the the dark spots of my personality, like we just mentioned, Joe Dispenza, mm -hmm. to create new reality, you have to create new personality, basically. And uh, it takes a lot of time, but but definitely it pays off. Because now um, I couldn't be happier to be a mom, you know? Mm. <laughs> that was my, my big dream to be a mom. And my, my biggest fear was to be um, a mom as my mom was to me, which wasn't very good. So that was my biggest fear. And that's why I spent so much time working on myself to have this, this joy and this, this beautiful relationship now with the little beautiful human. <laughs> Marzi very successfully transitioned her personality. Um, you know, when she said it in moment, I said, yeah, right, change, change your personality. But she actually did. <laughs> she actually did. She became a much happier person. She wasn't an unhappy person before, but she oozes now. And it's natural. It's not fake. It's not pretend with a phony smile. It's natural. I've never seen my experience a more fulfilled woman in my life. And kudos to her for all the work that she did um, on her outlook on life and where her roadblocks were and her emergency breaks, mm. you know, that she's, she's done a lot of work. She said four years and that's correct. Mm. 
That's correct. I even went to a boot camp in the forest in, in, in Spain to do enlightened warrior boot camp. It was, it was crucial. <laughs> but I just kept thinking about my two babies because I, I don't know, always in my awareness, there's two babies, boy and a girl. And just, I just did it for them, you know? I just left everything, could, took, my, took my stuff and I went to the forest for five really hard days. <laughs> and it was definitely one of the steps getting me closer to, to achieving um, my goal and, and to get my dreams come true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's an absolutely beautiful story. Um, thank you so much for sharing it. I actually got goosebumps whilst you were saying everything so that shows you i mean um, one thing i wrote down actually um, in my notes is um how did you stay so vital because i think what's obvious when you look at pictures of you as i'm looking at you now you're just glowing both of you and you're vibrant and vital and i think that's unusual as a as parents actually of a little one um but it seems like you've stayed that way throughout the entire time and that just shows uh shows the extent of your commitment to being healthy and also shows what a lucky and fortunate baby Gio is to have you as parents. We feel that we are the fortunate ones to be the stewards Mm -hmm. for this boy coming into the world. And uh, uh, Marzi teaches me every day how to be a better father. You know, I've joked before, you know, when we met and we talked about a future, I said, well, I know how to do it right now. You know, because I've got a uh, 42-year-old and 39-year-old uh, boy and girl from a previous marriage. So I know how to do it right now. But and I knew some things, you know, the bottom line for the dads out there is choose your battles well. <laughs> you know, that you don't need to win at all with your child. You want to give them freedom, uh, keep them safe but give them freedom to explore their boundaries as opposed to shutting them down, you know. But I, Marzi shares with me her revelations and uh, about raising children and what she reads and what she's learned. And she's right, you know, I'm, we're, we're doing a great job. Together, we're doing a great job. Yes. <laughs> great team. I have um I know we're coming up on time and I've actually kept you more than I said I would so I apologize about that if someone that you know falls pregnant what's the most important things for them to consider what would you say to them that's my question it sounds like I was going to add more to that I wasn't (laughs) (laughs) what would I say to a person who just got pregnant yes so the most important things to consider from your experience you've had multiple different interventions and used different components. What do you think is the most important thing to consider? And you might say there isn't one thing, and that's fine too. But oh, really, <laughs> um, I would say uh, listen to your gut um, in the whole process. And I think for women, when they get pregnant, they automatically think about uh, giving birth, and it's stressful. So, and there's so many um, different. Um, opinions and, and, and ways and there's home births, there's hospital births, there's C-sections. Just listen to your gut, what is, what, what sits with you right? So I think, I think this is the most important thing because women can get overwhelmed very quickly and very easily with all the amount of um, advices and, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, resources. Uh, but just get ready, relax, um, enjoy because it's a wonderful process. 
um, keep a healthy balance and 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 yeah, that's it. Tom. Um, I agree with Marzi. Listen to your gut and then set yourself up with the professionals to explore what your gut is saying because sometimes your gut is wrong. It, but you know you've got a fear, but that's in your gut, right? right so yeah. you need to explore. Um, okay, this fear I have, this concern, you know, you, you don't ignore it, but you don't dwell in it either. You explore with the experts to find out. Now, and, you know, maybe we're, we're going to close here with the story of the birth that uh, we live in the jungle, you know, in Costa Rica, but we weren't going to have a baby here in case there were complications. So we went into the capital and we looked at a couple of hospitals and we found the one that, uh, and the ob that we were going to use. And, but we wanted a home birth. And so we rented a condominium for six weeks around the due date so that we could be close to the hospital if we needed it. And then the time came and Marzi's in labor and the midwives come and the doulas come. And I've got the little lights around the room, the soft lights, and I'm playing the Mozart music and everything. I'm saying great. stop. Turn on my playlist. Yeah. <laughs> I listen to this every day. It's my bird. Yes, right. <laughs> so much for Mozart. <laughs> that, Mozart went out the window there. And uh, we actually had complications. And we had to go to the ER. We had to rush to the ER. There were complications. Uh, the baby wasn't coming down the canal. And so we get to the hospital and... Um, uh, we rush up to the fifth floor, elevators up into the surgical ward. And as I, I was the first one in, there's this guy on the other side of the room. And as I come in, he walks through a door and closes the door. And he had torn blue jeans on and dirty sneakers. And he comes back out in a white coat. Hi, I'm Dr. So-and-so. I'm the OB on call. And I said, where's our doctor? Well, I don't know. I, I don't know, but we're here. It was a New Year's Eve. Yeah, it was New Year's Eve. About 7.30 p.m., you know. <laughs> and my mind immediately went into fight, flight, or fright. I mean, already we were there because we rushed to the hospital. Of course. And I thought, you don't get the sharpest knife in the drawer who's on call on New Year's Eve, right? Uh, so I asked a bunch of questions and I uh, said, well, it looks like we have a little time to continue with a natural birth, uh, but if it doesn't occur, then we'll have to do a C-section. And we had been prepared back at home. We had the bag ready to go with the bag of snacks. You know, we had everything in case we had to go to the hospital and we'd prepared months ahead of time. What, what are the checklists of what you need? So we came and we had all of that. And it turned out that he, they, they were the perfect team for us. They, uh, Gio was born not breathing. Um, his Apgar was three. He was blue. And it was extremely traumatic. Yeah. But they were, and I said to this guy, about 36-year-old guy, I said, how many emergency C-sections have you done? Two C-sections, right? Uh, C-sections, yeah. And he said, over 2,000. He said, what? You? Personally? Yes, me and my team. We've done over 2,000 C-sections. Well, the C-section rate in Costa Rica is over 85%, which is horrible, horrible. But that validated that this team knows what they're doing. Mm. I said, okay. 
And then we were in the hands of the angels. You know, we could only just be there and allow the experience to occur. Um, but we were as prepared as we could be up to this. So I agree with Marzi, you follow your gut or you listen to your gut, but then you explore to see if it's correct or not, right? But even then, after all of that, after everything we did, after all of the consultants and all of the hours, it came down to just breathe and let's pray for the best. So in the end, that was what it came down to for us. And, uh, and as soon as Gio came out and they cut the cord, they took him over to the pediatric station there, they're pumping to get the myconium out of his mouth. And they, uh, she was pumping his chest and he wasn't breathing. And um, she had somebody else, oh, she was pumping the bulb over his mouth and he wasn't breathing. So she had somebody else do that. And then she starts massaging his chest and then he coughs and he screams and he's with us. But he opens his eyes and he's on this table. Big white lights are shining in his eyes and five giants in white gowns, white hats and white masks are all he can see. That's the trauma that our son came into this world with. After everything we did, everything, that's the trauma. But we were prepared for all of us. And I got you, man. Whatever it is, you know, if you've got brain injury, uh, if you're whatever, you're going to have the best life possible. It doesn't matter. Whatever it matters, but whatever it is, you're going to have the best life. We are committed to you. And the result is we have this beautiful 19-month-old little boy who looks everyone in the eye and they feel that he's looking at their soul when he looks at them. And um, everyone loves Gio uh, because he's so pure. Um, we, we are really targeting that um, our child is an example of what's needed in this world to change the direction of where the planet's going. That, you know, Einstein said, you know, the problems you've created today can't be solved with the same level of thinking that created the problem. We need kids who think outside the box and they're not gonna think outside the box unless you give them freedom to explore the boundaries of their box at every age that they're at, that they have to explore, right? And so we're very grateful to be stewards of this beautiful little being. I just wanna add that in the whole process, um, um, me knowing what is possible um, gave me a lot of power because I knew I can, I can choose what's happening to me in any situation. So mm -hmm. even, even, um, even though I wanted home births and we were all ready for home births and it didn't work out, I was okay with going to the hospital because that was also one of the options. But also the hospital I have chosen, I have been in the hospital, I've seen it before. Mm -hmm. Even being there, um, being prepared to, to, to be having the C-section, I was asking questions about um, prolonged, um, Umbilical cord. Umbilical cord, yes. I, I just, I just, even though it didn't happen, but um, for women, it's important to know that you, you can demand things the way you want it to be for you and for your child. What Marcy is referring to is, do not cut the cord until we say okay. 
-hmm. because you want to let the the blood keep coming to baby from mom after baby comes out. Uh, and there's this tendency to cut it right away. There's no need to do that. You put baby on mom's chest and baby will do the breast crawl that they just somehow know where's that milk, you know, where's that colostrum? And they do the breast crawl. And uh, in our case, we couldn't do any of that because Jill wasn't breathing. Mm -hmm. So it was immediate, cut the cord, get him over to the pediatric station, bring him back to life. But what Marzi is saying is so important that the mother has power. Mm -hmm. And she was asking questions. And I was asking about silver nitrate. No, we're not putting silver nitrate in. And the pediatrician didn't like me at all. You know, I said, no, we're not doing any vaccinations immediately at birth. The no pedi vitamin K. No vitamin K. The pedi well, Why not? Well, because Marzi's been taking vitamin K. Her blood values are excellent on vitamin K. Because I checked. Right? You know, so, you know, you... Uh, uh, what Marcy's saying is so important that the woman has power here to, to understand and what options are and to say, say what you want in this process. Yes, because there's many hospitals, many states, many countries where you go over 40 weeks, you'll be induced. It doesn't have to happen. You just, you just look for the right provider for yourself. Take the time. Even we changed uh, Obigaini a month before baby was born right. at eight months. I had a concern. I was like, I'm not going with this guy. We're looking for someone else. And then I asked, like Tom said, it's very important. Ask experts. Don't yes. ask your friends. Don't ask Google. Ask experts. Ask the midwife that is 25 um, years of, of practice. Ask your pelvic floor therapist. Ask um, whoever you can, you can trust with experience. And then you will find the person that's perfect for you or close to perfect. Mm. No, it's true. <laughs> And uh, after all that, if I'm pregnant again, I will still go for home birth and I will still be prepared for any other um, circumstances. It did not traumatize me. It did not scare me. It was, everything was perfect. Um, of course, I would change a few things uh, if I could now, but that's the next steps for the next baby. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Amazing. So that's planning on the cards. Yes. Oops, I the beans. <laughs> <laughs> I spilled the beans. About what? About planning for another baby. Ah. <laughs> there you have it. There you have it. The best of luck. And I just want to say, I think your story is so valuable. And thank you, Tom, for bringing up the whole experience of the birthing process. And Marzi, for yeah. your honesty and openness. Um, I really appreciate it. And, you know, every single person's experience of that will be unique if they go through the complications like that. Um, but you're not alone in that sense. I have yeah. friends and, you know, at one point they thought they were going to lose their baby. At one point she, she thought she was not going to make it through that process. And it's extremely difficult. But, you know, the res end result, they've got a beautiful baby girl. You've got mm -hmm. a beautiful baby boy. And I look at, I, I think of uh, my friends and they are so happy with the life that they're currently having. And so are you. So I think you have to look on the positives um, and I wish you the best of luck with planning for your next one. Thank you so much. Marzi, Tom, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate you both. Thank you, Ben. Thank you for listening to the Functional Health Podcast. You can find links to everything that we talked about today in the show notes. If you have a second, please consider leaving a five-star rating on iTunes. 
It really does make a huge difference and helps get this valuable information out and reach more people. Don't forget to subscribe so you can stay up to date and know whenever I release a new episode. You can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook or our website and all questions are welcome. As always, thanks to Joss Aurelia for all the editing and thank you all for your support.